Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Ross Bernstein is the best-selling author of nearly 50 sports books, including The Code, which inspired the 2013 feature film The Last Gladiators. As well as being a successful author, he's an influential business speaker that has attracted huge audiences across the globe. Ross has spent over 20 years studying the achievements of championship teams, noting the elements he believes that have made them so successful, and he's also researched over a 1,000 professional athletes to look at their winning formulas. Motivation, trust, morals and work ethic are just a few of the key factors that make those teams successful. This wealth of research and knowledge is passed on by Ross to organisations looking for peak performance by encouraging dynamic leadership and creating a culture of excellence. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome our guest today and a very good friend of mine, Ross Bernstein. Ross, welcome. Hey, great to be with you, Sandro. It's fabulous to have you on the show. So I have to start by asking you, Ross, uh, Seventh Continent, you've just spoken in your Seventh Continent. There's not many professional speakers, because that's <laughs> what you are after all, not many professional speakers who can attest to the fact that they've spoken in Antarctica. So just tell us a little <laughs> bit about your most recent journey. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. I had a, uh, a couple of speaking engagements in Santiago, Chile, and I was able to bring my wife and daughter and we were able to explore South America and we uh, planned a trip down to Antarctica. It's uh, my my client was the cast and crew of a of a uh, luxury research vessel. So I was able to, uh, uh, create, create my gig on the seventh continent. There's not a lot of them down there, but it's pretty fascinating. You fly in and, uh, then you take a boat back and, uh, it's amazing. We spent a day on Shackleton's Island and, uh, I'll tell you what though, that, that penguin poop smell, you never really get used to it. <laughs> there were more than a million penguins on this uh, little Island, but, uh, it was amazing. And, uh, like you being able to travel the world is my passion. So to be able to do it and to do it with my wife and my kid who, who've also been on seven continents with me is uh, kind of the lifestyle brand that I've kind of created. And uh, it was it was really, really a lot of fun. And I was about to say, you are one of the most well-traveled families, not just you personally, but you know, your wife and daughter who are lovely, by the way, they, they, Thank they you. travel so many different places. You must have, you know, umpteen passports filled with <laughs> visas and various stamps between you. So um, no, kudos to you because it's great to, you know, I know you're a really great family man. And so it's lovely that you travel the world with them as well. Well, one of our favorite trips was coming to England to see you and your amazing family. And uh, that's what it's all about, right? The, uh, the journey. So and that's, that's why I love you. You and I uh, share that same passion. Well, thank you. So let's get into this because loads and loads of wisdom and amazing things for you to share. I know because I've listened to you speak numerous times and you never disappoint. So what inspired you? I have, I have to ask, by the, this is, I guess, a start question. What, what started this, this passion, Ross, for researching the success of teams and athletes? Uh, great question. You know, my, my passion early in life was sports. And uh, I grew up in a little small town in 
in in Minnesota, which is central U.S. for some of your listeners across the pond, as we like to say. And uh, I wasn't very good at sports, but I loved sports and and played whatever I could. And had two big brothers who'd beat me up, and we we would just play sports. And when I uh, got to college, I, I wound up writing my very first book. It was called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher. Um, my dream was to play ice hockey at the University of Minnesota, the home of the Golden Gophers. And I lasted about five minutes and I got cut and became the team mascot. And I wound up writing a book about it. And uh, that launched my career. And it, it was a, um, a situation where even though I wasn't good enough to play, I wanted to be a part of it and make my career in it. So I feel really fortunate that I've been able to kind of make my life's work of studying the great ones and what it is that makes them great and, and uh, being able to interview athletes and being a member of the media. So I get to have access to cover them and write about them. And, and now as a speaker, I get to talk about them like you about what it is that, that uh, that's in their DNA that makes them unique. So I've just been on this crazy journey, uh, being able to tie sports into, uh, into what I do. And honestly, I've never really had a job my whole life. This is kind of what I do. Wow. So um, loads and loads of interviews. Any particularly memorable ones? I mean, must have a favorite, surely. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've been fortunate to be on a lot of the major networks and, and things. Um, I, I love all of them. I, for me, it was interesting. You know, my previous life, everyone, you know, you're an amazing professional speaker and that's how we connected. But you've, you're also an author and, of course, amazing financial services business. But for me, my previous life, and we all have a previous life before we become professional speakers, you have to do something before you can hit the circuit, right? And for me, it was it was obviously writing books. And when I would write books, it, it, you know, being on TV, being on the radio, wasn't to say, hey, look at me, I'm on TV. It was to sell books. So, you know, my, my speaker friends are always fascinated how I was able to be on TVs. And it's like, you don't understand. If I didn't sell a book, I didn't eat. So that was always my motivation was to primarily for Christmas, for Father's Day to to shield books to go out and you know and, and my main audience was was women. I learned that early on. They were they were my audience. They were buying them for their husbands and sons and brothers and uncles and they were they were Christmas gifts. So um, that was always a huge part of my my model was to do as much TV as possible to to tell stories. I mean, you and I are storytellers. So to be able to tell a story about a new book and about what I learned and to share it that that's what it was all about. So. Um, like you, I've, I've been had, a, had, it's been a fun run and, and I always enjoy doing interviews and, and, uh, being on with you today is, is fantastic getting to just, you know, share stories. That's what we do. And, and just for the record, when we talk about you writing books, we're talking about nearly 50 books. Where on earth do you find the time to write 50 books? <laughs> Well, that's like I said, that's what I did. I mean, that was my that was my job. I would churn out, you know, two or three a year. And that was and they were always on deadline because I learned I always had to have them done by November so that I could pump them out for Christmas and promote them. And that that's when people bought books. So, um, of course, that model has changed now significantly. But um, that was I just kept trying to find new, new ideas. And eventually once you get established, then a lot of the celebrity athletes would come to you and want you to write their biography or whatever. So it just, it was a journey, but honestly, I've, I've shifted. I've, I, I haven't written a book now in a few years and I'm working on a new one. It's a business book, but I really decided that I'm not in any rush to finish it. I'm really enjoying speaking. I speak at about 120 conferences per year. And until my daughter graduates from high school and goes off to college, I just didn't want to be out in that 
racket anymore out promoting and, and doing signings and that. So I've, I've, I've really shifted. And that's a big part of what I talk about, about disruption. I mean, the book business has died. I mean, it's, it's a completely different animal now with eBooks and online content and, you know, t- typical books are, are, uh, you know, young people don't know what the hell to do with them. They, mm. they look at them and they, they try and swipe them like an iPad. They don't know what to do with them. So it's, uh, it's changed, but it's, it's, um, people still love content, but they're getting it in different ways now, like, like a podcast. So it's, it's quite fascinating how mm. we, how we get our information, but I think that we've all had to monetize it differently. I haven't even asked you any questions properly yet, but already I've picked up some, this is what I love about you, Ross. I've already picked up two or three really good takeaways that you may not even be aware <laughs> So, um, you know, you set out to write a book and the first thing I heard was, you know, you're selling them to women. That was your target audience, which I think a lot of people may not even stop to consider who their target audience is. And the other thing that you mentioned was getting them written by November. So you could sell them as Christmas gifts, which again, you know, a lot of people who embark on a goal to maybe write a book or, or do something in business or life don't really think about the the end game and that, that deadline. So that was really fascinating. And the other thing I just want to pick up on, because I hear this, uh, these three letters in almost every presentation you give, and it's the letters DNA. So my, I guess my first question is, in all your experience from studying you know superstars in the world of sport is it is success is talent something you're born with ross or is it something that you develop mm, wonderful question i think it's both i mean i think there's there's certain athletes the the michael jordans of the world if you will the the messies uh that are you know that are just born with incredible talent but i think that um you know, for the most part, it's, it's developed. I think when you get to play professional sports, everyone is incredibly talented, you know, within a 90 percentile, they're, you know, running, jumping, you know, dribbling a ball, whatever it might be. But I think it comes down to work ethic and how bad they want it. And that, that's really the, the, the difference. And it's, it's fascinating. It really is studying roles and, and certain people that are, you know, someone like a Neymar who's an incredible goal scorer, as opposed to, you know, a grinder defenseman, a, a center midi who maybe just found a role doing something different yet carved out a 20 year career, made millions. So there's no one right way to do it. I just love studying what makes people unique and how they, they find their path. And, and I think it is kind of in your DNA to, to, to want to be able to, to do different things and to be able to learn new things. So it's, it's a, it's a fascinating journey for sure to, to study them. And it's a, it's a never ending pile of new athletes, new coaches, people that succeed, people that fail, people that lose their moral compass. As a speaker, I talk a lot about, um, winning with integrity and that fine line between cheating and gamesmanship in sports. And that's the other thing is, is how, how bad you want to win yet, how, um, how important it is for you to win the right way and to win with integrity. You know that from, from speaking, from certainly being in financial services where every week we hear about a new company that's, you know, lost their way and has, you know, has problems because they want to take a shortcut. So it's fascinating, whatever line of business you're in to see how people do it and what's in their DNA. I mean, I know for you, you're one of the most modest guys I know, but you're incredibly humble, but you're incredibly giving. Um, you know, you're, you're, I know you're up for a national mentoring award and that's no, no coincidence. It's because you just, you're all about serving and giving and helping others. And that's in your DNA to be an amazing person. And that's why people are gravitate to you. You're magnetic. And it's, it's um, so it's, for me, it's, 
it's fascinating to study the why. You have me blushing, Ross. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, thank you, first of all, uh, you know, for your friendship, but also uh, all the things you bring to so many people's lives, including mine. Um, so you've identified all these traits. And what I've understood from you is that DNA isn't necessarily, you know, Lionel Messi doesn't appear in the world as a talented footballer. Um, but what he does have in his DNA is a desire, a passion to succeed. And that then leads him to um, a course of action, which uh, through practice in this example, takes him to the world stage and the, the superstar footballer that we know he is. I think I've got that right. So, um, <laughs> what, you know, in terms of, people succeeding. We hear a lot about that, but you've also identified, I think, what uh, common mistakes people make. So just if you wouldn't mind, just share some of those uh, those pitfalls, the things that stop people, the inertia, if you like, that stops people getting to where they want to get, because we've all met somebody with a plan, right? Um, and unfortunately, there are very, very many well-educated failures. There are people in life who started life with a plan and never really got um, out of their, their chair, so to speak. So what are those common mistakes that stop people achieving success? Let's flip it upside down. Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, everyone, I mean, in sports, it's fascinating. Everyone gets told at some point that they're no longer welcome to play the game, right? At some point we're all told, you know what, we got to let you go. It happened to me a lot sooner than I wanted to, but everyone here, we see that we're on the precipice of the Super Bowl, and here's Tom Brady, you know, looking at 42 years of age. And this guy is, he's the goat, the greatest of all time. I mean, he, this, he's still, he's still pushing and, he, you know, he'll, he'll leave the, the game on his own terms, but at some point, everyone gets told that that they're you know their better days are behind them. So it's about maximizing as much as you can in as short a time as you can, and that leads us sometimes to take shortcuts. And I think hubris is what eventually gets a lot of us um, where we we want to win so badly and and we're willing to do whatever it, it takes to get there. It's it's once you've achieved success, um, especially in sales and uh, in business, and, and and then you don't have it, it, it makes us a lot more desperate to reachieve it. So, um, you know, this, I wrote this series of books called the code. It's about these unwritten rules, unspoken rules in sports about these codes. And if you break these rules, then there's consequences. And in hockey, that leads to fighting and in baseball, it leads to getting a hundred mile an hour power fastball up, uh, uh, we call that chin music or you, you know, <laughs> you, you, you're, there's, there's consequences for, for cheating or disrespecting someone. And, and it's the same in business. And I think that, you know, eventually people, um, you know, they realize, Hey, you know what, I can, I can take a shortcut that I can still achieve, get the same, you know, end game, but I can take a, a shorter route. And eventually that catches up with you. And that's probably, you know, that's probably what gets most of us. Mm. So what are, what would you say, therefore, you know, 50 sports books, travel the world, seven continents, 120 gigs a year, uh, and every one of them fabulous. I'm going to come back to uh, the way you recognize people in a moment, because that is a is something that I, I stand back and admire with, with great fascination. Um, but what are the key characteristics that you've discovered? I know that's a very, very general subject because everyone's different, but if we could come up with, you know, half a dozen things that the listeners of this podcast could really start to focus on the key characteristics that make certain people great, what would they be? Oh, that's a wonderful question. I, I think it, it's cliche, but I think it starts with passion. I mean, I think that unless you love what you do, you're going to suck at it. And you don't necessarily have to love to sell life insurance per se, 
but you got to love the outcome. You got to love the fact that you're helping someone. You got to love the fact that you know that when, you know, you're selling a product that maybe someone doesn't want, but they, you know, that they need it. And you know, that in the end, how that's going to really change their family and change their trajectory and, and give them peace of mind. So I think you've first got to figure out what you love to do. I mean, I love sports. Great. You and 8 billion other people, right? How do you make a career at it? It's not like there's a job posting for, you know, get to speak all over the world and write all these books. So I think you've just got to be creative. You've got to be, um, you know, you, you got to just find new ways to do what you want to do. There's no rules anymore. You know, and I wrote my first book in, in I was a senior in college and I, I leveraged my graduate school money. My, I, I, I mean, my, I had two older brothers who went on to get Ivy League MBAs. And this is what my mom and dad wanted me to do. They worked very hard at our family furniture store so I could get my, my MBA. And I wanted to work in sports. So I begged my mom and dad to let me write this book about go for hockey with my graduate school money. And, you know, it was, they told me this is going to be the biggest failure of your life. And I, it was, they just, they were like, what are you doing? But I was determined and, um, I did it, you know, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I just said, I want to do this is, I don't want to follow that path. I want to do my path and succeed or fail. This is what I want to do. And it cost a lot of money to write and publish the book. Today, I, I see kids, I see parents all the time and say, you know, my kid wants to work in sports. You know, what can they do? And it's like, are you kidding me? You can start a podcast. You you can create an online magazine. You can you can do anything. These the iPhones and apps. I mean, it's incredible. The playing field today has been completely leveled. You know, the the barrier to entry is zero. Anyone can, today can do anything, and the cream will rise to the top. If you want to do something, go do it. Shut up. Go do it. There's no rules. I had to you know spend tens of thousands of dollars to initially just start my dream to even think about it today. None of that matters. You know, kids today can go on YouTube and, and learn something and perform and boom, they, they don't need a record label. They can just do it. So I think starting with passion, figuring out what it is you really love to do. And then the why and the how, how do you get there? How do you start? And there's no rules. You see people all the time that are just able to find new ways of achieving success. And, uh, that's fascinating to me. Just you know, there's no one right way. Just find your way and go, go shut up and do it. Don't tell me why you can't. Just go do it. Wonderful. Do you know what? If we stop the podcast right here and now, people would still have enough takeaways from, from this last 15 minutes. So that, <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Um, So thinking about successful people, because I'm, I'm going to circle, I'll just touch on one thing that I've found um, really fascinating about you, Ross. And this is not... Um, this is not being sycophantic in any way, but every time you do a gig, you post a lovely message that highlights your experience on a social media channel like LinkedIn. The importance of recognizing people, those that have opened a door, given you opportunity, how important is that? Well, thank you. It's for me, it's that has been a fascinating journey for me. I'm not a social media guy. It's interesting. I, I'm not on Facebook. I mean, I have a, a static page. I don't have any friends. Um, I don't do Instagram. I'm, 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 I don't do any social media except for LinkedIn. Um, that's my platform where I've luckily early on, I started linking with people. That was something that I could do. And I've got an amazing network of, of executives. And I always try and link with people. 
Um, and I never try and sell them anything, but I only use it for good, not evil. That's what I say. And yes, every time I do a gig, um, I want to get a great picture of, of the, the room and, and, and the, the audience and, and me on stage presenting. Cause that's what I do. That's my passion. And then afterwards I make a post saying, you know, I, I want to thank this amazing company. Um, I want to thank them for, for having me, for, for the people, for uh, brag about the company. Here's what they do. And, and to hopefully get them some gigs. I want to introduce them to some other of my clients. I'm all about karma and helping people. And what it does is a couple things. Number one, it shows the world that, Hey, I'm, I'm busy. I'm working. This is, you know, the only people that I care to impress, uh, on LinkedIn are event planners, corporate meeting planners, CEOs, VPs of sales, people who hire me like you to come speak at their annual sales conference or leadership conference. So I want them to see me on a big stage and, 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 and hopefully inspiring people and doing what I do. I want them to see a positive message. So in a sense, that's what we call a humble brag where, yeah, there's me up on stage doing my thing. But at the end of the day, it's really me acknowledging them. And that's what it's all about. It's about acknowledging them and helping others, um, getting them a warm referral. I mean, Sandra, I owe so much of my life to you. The reason I can honestly say that I've traveled to seven continents, honest to God, is because of one person, and it's you. Because you and I met at a National Speakers Association conference, I don't know, years ago, six, seven years ago, and you were you know, very involved in a group called Million Dollar Roundtable, which if, if your listeners don't know, it's the preeminent group for life insurance salespeople around the world. Sandro was involved at an extremely high level for many years, choosing their main stage platform speakers. Every year they, they vet over a thousand speakers. I was lucky enough to, to come to Toronto and present with Sandro. Uh, they brought me back to Hong Kong. Um, nearly 10,000 people in the audience. And from there, all the people that I've met have brought me to Australia and New Zealand and South Africa and Peru and Croatia and Singapore. And it's amazing being able to travel the world because of this amazing organization. So I can trace all of that travels and success and fun and amazement back to one relationship that I made. And because you recommended me and here I am in March, I'm going to be with another huge company because of a referral and a recommendation from you. I mean, how awesome is that it, just to be able to share and I try and share with you, you try and share with me. It's all based on the laws of karma. If I get you a gig, it's, you know, beers are on you. That's just how it works. And that there's, it's just a wonder, it's just the epitome of working smarter versus harder and, I'm so grateful for our friendship because, you know, you, you do, you go speak and you make all these great relationships and then they're kind of gone. And one cool thing is you and I have been, we've, we've, we hit it off. We, <laughs> we fell in love and we're buddies and, and now our, you know, our, our spouses and families know each other and, and we get to see each other. And that's, that's, what's so great about this journey is every now and then you get to meet someone who really impacts your life and made a difference. And, and, uh, so I, I'd like to say that I've learned so much about giving and serving others from you. And I know that was a very long answer to a very short question, but 
um, yeah, I like to acknowledge my clients, I like to acknowledge my friends, the people who've helped me. And I want to acknowledge you for helping me and to say thank you well, because uh, you're an awesome person. Again, you're very, being very kind and actually far too modest because I don't think I even figure in your career of success, Ross. But uh, uh, notwithstanding, I'm going to use this podcast as a testimonial in future. So, so thank you. Um, so I, I guess that answers the next question because I, I think one of the things I wanted to find out from you was, do you, in your experience, do you find that successful people are willing to share their secrets or are they the ones that keep their cards quite close to their chest? And, I, and from what I'm hearing is that, you know, the really, really good guys and ladies of the world are the ones that normally want to reach up, reach down and, and help others on that on the basis that life is a revolving door. It's something I've always believed in. I know you believe in it. So I just want to, you know, to clarify for, for the listeners that, that that very much is your view that you, you, you reap what you sow. Well, I would like to think that that's everyone's view, but I will tell you that for 90 plus percent of people, it's not, it's the opposite. I think the reason you and I connected Sandro and became really genuine friends uh, was because we both share that view and we do like to, um, help each other, um, genuinely and, and with no strings attached. Um, most people don't want to share their clients. I mean, every time I keynote a conference, I can't wait to find my replacement. You know, I, I, I'm not, that's why clients like me. I'm never trying to sell a bunch of crap. I'm not going in going, Oh, hire me to do this. And let me come in and sell you my consulting coaching practice and, and a million books and DVDs and, and, and online universities. Hey, God bless all the other speakers that do that stuff, but it ain't me. Mm. So I don't do it. And as a result, that gives me a, a leg up in the sense that I become friends with those people. If I've, you know, over delivered on their expectations, that gives me permission to recommend someone else to help them. I'm never trying to, to hound them. I, I you know, I, it creates a, a you know, a, an interesting, uh, challenge for me as a, as a speaker, you know, every year I start with a blank calendar like you, you're, you got to fill your diary as you say every year. And, you know, I start with, with zero dates a year. There's nothing is promised to me and I got to fill it up. So, um, it would be great to be able to think, oh, I could get one client that mm. could fill it up 20 times, but that's not what I do. I'm going to go work with a client and and that's it. You know, mm. maybe if I'm lucky, they might bring me back for a different division or something else down the road. But I'm one of those guys where I have one topic. I, I don't try and say, oh, I'm an expert in 20 things. I do one thing mm. and, and I can morph it from a 30 minute talk to an eight hour talk and I can break it into parts and pieces. But that's really what I've focused on. So I'm never trying to to tell them. And I will tell you, that's been a massive differentiator is to just do that and then give and then share, find them a replacement. I'll tell them right away. Look, tell me about your event. If I'm not a right fit, I'll find someone who is. Mm. And I mean that. And, and I think that to be able to share and give, uh, um, unconditionally, um, I think that it's a, it's the greatest gift you can give a referral of helping someone to, to be of service to someone else. And, and by the laws of karma, if it works, it comes back. But I think you have to align yourself with people that share that it's in their DNA. Otherwise you're just going to be in a give, give, give relationship and no one likes to be around takers. That's why you're so awesome, man, because you're a giver in everything that you do in life. And that's why you're magnetic and people love you. It's the truth. Uh, so uh, even more humbling. Thank you. Um, uh, th this isn't rehearsed, is it? I just want everyone to know this. Uh, we we did not have a conversation and said let's big each other up for half an hour. So let's let's move on. Um, characteristics of success in all the research you've done over twenty years, Ross, has it changed? It, are the fundamental principles of success and all those great things you've been talking about have they always been there? 
has life got in the way? Has have things changed in your experience, or you know, fundamentally, it, are, the, are the characteristics of success still the characteristics of success? I think that the the basic hallmarks have stayed true: work ethic, you know, drive, the the, the cliche things. But I think that technology has really, really changed. Um, I think that it's been fascinating. The the athletes have gotten bigger, stronger, faster. Technology is amazing. Um, I just did a, a really cool conference in Brussels uh, about trends in sports. It was a little bit of a leap to go a, a different direction for me, but it really kind of put me outside my comfort zone to talk about how, you know sports teams now are using, you know, predictive analytics and they're using AI and, um, the players are mic'd up and they're wired up and there's RFID tags on balls and pucks and, and sticks. And you can measure everything curvature of a, of a, of a, of a football kick or how many spins or rotations or heartbeat or core body temperature, how many kilometers a player has run from the first half to the second half, or I mean, it's, everything is measurable, um, using drones, using, uh, in sports, they're called departments of decision sciences. I, I talk about this stuff in my presentation. It's fascinating. It changes constantly as a, as a member of the media with, um, professional football and baseball and basketball and hockey and studying teams and going behind the curtain to see how they use video and how they're using sleep science and neurologists and cryotherapy. And it's, it's just an incredible what's happening. I mean, there's an arms race of, of, uh, of facilities and, uh, how teams are recruiting athletes. And, and then of course, just how we have to, they're paying them so much more. So now you've got to get fans interested and to be able to come and the biggest challenge, um, you know, the big aha moment for all of this is how are we going to convince millennials and Gen Zers to, to attend, to, to pay for, for these services? How can we continue to pay these athletes, these salaries and the millions and millions of dollars and euros to, to play because young people today are more, quite frankly, are more interested in social media and drone racing and esports. Um, so that is going to be the biggest challenge. And I think you're seeing it now. Baseball is, shortening games uh cricket is shortening games their matches everything now has become fan experience uh making it an interactive experience um millennials don't want to in our world of speakers they don't want to sit there for two hours listening to some guy talk about something they want to be a part of the action and i think every one of my clients that i speak to for the fortune 500 companies around the world this is their biggest challenge of hiring and keeping young people and it's the same in sports how do we hold their attention how do we make it interesting for them and compelling for them. So unless you're solving that problem and whatever it is that you do, you better solve it or you're going to be out of business. Yeah. And sports sports is no different. So what do you do? We know, don't we, from our experience of traveling, it's not, it's not a glamorous life sitting on a plane, even if you're in business class. What would you say in summary is the, the best part of public speaking? I know you've touched on a few things that you you, you really value in terms of what you do and the, the lessons that you can teach people and the wisdom you can share and all that kind of stuff. But is there a, is there a way of summarizing the, the value and the joy you get from, from speaking all around the world? Well, I love it. I love being on the main stage. Um, I'm a keynoter, so that's, that's kind of what I do and that's a drug. And the only way to get that drug is to keep kicking ass and, 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 and getting, hopefully getting ass back because I don't do any marketing for my business. Zero. Um, it's all word of mouth. It's all referral. So if I don't do a great job on stage every week, then I don't work. So, um, 
you know, having a previous life as a, as an author and which was not super glamorous other than those rare moments when you do get to be on TV or at a book signing at a huge mall or whatever, it's a grind and you work long hours and you deal with, you know, crap you don't want to deal with. And it's the same, it's the same in speaking. People think, Oh, you're on a main stage in Hong Kong staying at the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. But the next week, you know, you're, you're, you're in some small town having driven four hours in front of 30 people. And so you just grind and they're not all, you know, you're not a rock star every week. And, and, and that's the thing you got to grind. And that's, it's a term in sports, a grinder. And it's just, it's how I look at myself. I grind. I, for every, uh, you know, for every, for every Hong Kong, there's, there's 50 Fargo's, Sioux Falls, Winnipeg's, Cedar Mm. Rapids, Omaha, and you grind and you go do it. And for every one of those small ones or low fee or under fee that you didn't get what you wanted, you do it and you give the same performance and, and you hope you make a relationship and it leads to something great. And, and that's my model. And, and, and my passion is to be able to say, great, I'm not going to go to London alone. I'm going to, I'm bringing my wife and kid. And, and we're going to enjoy the journey. And when we're there, we're going to, we're going to go to see a, a match at Chelsea. And uh, I know you, I know you're not, that's not your team, but we got to go see a match there. My kid plays soccer as we like to call it here in the U S and see a proper football match and take the train from King's cross up to, to see my buddy Sandro. And that's what it's about. It's about these business tied into pleasure and, and experiences and journeys. And, and for me, that's what keeps me going. So that's what, drives me is to be able to say, okay, I'm going to grind. And, and there's weeks where I'm in, you know, five States in five days and on seven airplanes. And there's other weeks where, you know what, I'm spending the whole week in, in, in Lima and we're going to go to Machu Picchu and, or, or, or wherever. And that, that's what I focus on. I don't focus on the grind. I focus on the outcome on what this is going to lead to next week. It's Cancun, Mexico. And that's what I focus on is the good stuff. Well, and on the, on the subject of outcomes, unfortunately, uh, time is is against us. I have one more question for you. Uh, but if anyone listening to this podcast doesn't feel they've taken something away from it, then they probably need to subscribe to a different one. Uh, so my final question, I ask all my guests this, Ross, I'm, and you are no exception. Uh, wealth of experience, a well-traveled man, a great father, fabulous friend. With all of that amazing experience, you've now got a mini version of Ross sitting on your knee. He's probably 15, 16 years old. Maybe this is the conversation you've already had with your daughter. And the question from them is, Daddy, knowing all the things that you know now, what piece of advice, what single piece of advice would you give me in order to get as far as I can go in life? Hmm. (laughs) That's a great question. I'm going to answer that with a little bit of a different twist. Uh, I have a a 16-year-old daughter and... um, she gets to travel the world as you, as I've told you, and, and, and she's a speaker. She, the speech, speech, uh, is a, is a high school event and she, uh, and she's a state champion in, in speech. It's a, I'm really proud of her. She's amazing. And I remember we had a conversation where, you know, she said, you know, she wanted to be a professional speaker like dad. And I said, that's great, but what are you going to do first? What do you mean? Well, you don't just get to become a professional speaker. You've got to have a pre, you got to have a life. You got to do something. You have to succeed. You have to fail. And, um, and I think the, the the journey to get there is so much a part of it. So I wouldn't change any of that. But you know, a lot of times she's very into acting and theater. And every year we go to we go to New York City. We 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 spend a week. We go see Broadway shows. We musicals. She loves it. It's her passion. And I very purposefully will always go to dinner at a restaurant 
Times Square uh, or in West End in London. And I want her to meet the waiters and waitresses. And we always tend to ask them, so what show are you in? And it's to show her that, you know what, that it's very few people get to make it to be the main stage. And that's all they do. A lot of, you know, probably 90% of these actors and actresses, these thespians, they've got day jobs and they have to grind and they got to work. And I want her to see that. I want her to know that. And, um, there's no shortcut. People, I think, see you as a top of the table, court of the table in your financial services business and million dollar round table of incredible success as a main stage speaker. And I think that people need to know that there's, there's no shortcut to the top. You've got to grind and you got to work. And, and, uh, so I would just, I'd tell myself, keep, keep grinding. I'd probably be a little bit more efficient about how I did it, but I would, I wouldn't change a whole lot. I, I, I love the path that I've taken and, and I've made a lot of failures along the way. And every time I have a new massive failure, I go, great. Something new to talk about in my speech. Right. Wonderful. So, yeah. Wonderful. That's what it's wonderful. About. Wonderful. Okay. Final thing. Very important because, uh, you are a guy that a lot of people need to connect with. So how do they find out about you? You have a website, right? And, uh, and your LinkedIn, uh, profile. Just tell us a little bit briefly about those two things so people can get in touch with you. Yeah. RossBernstein.com is my website. I do have a Twitter handle. I think I've got eight for followers or friends <laughs> at Ross Bernstein and yeah, LinkedIn, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty accessible. Okay. Well, how can I summarize this conversation? Um, let me say this, a pro, a great guy, a dear friend. It's been a real joy. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you've given us some real pearls of wisdom and long may your fabulous career continue. Love you, brother. See you soon. Well, that was the Sandro Forte podcast and what an amazing guest Ross Bernstein was. Remember, there are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. So please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember too, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast, that's Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or whatever it is that motivates you. So please email me, hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please leave those reviews on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you.